I believe you're right, said Vincent, with languid surprise. This was a new phase of Adela Buller, of whom he had always had vague visions, in which he saw her forming one of the quartet suppers at the Carlton, of hearing of her running over to Paris. She had been especially fond, of late years, of that particular form of dissipation so dear to the Londoner, of seeing her in an exaggerated 1840 gown, which slipped off her white shoulders, reciting suggestive little poems in French to a small audience of young men. He got up, and leaning one elbow on the mantelpiece, watched her with a new curiosity. Her eyes were strangely bright. Had she been putting Belladonna in them again, he wondered. He could see the pulse in her wrist beating furiously against the dark blue vein. Vincent hoped devoutly she was not going to have a crise de nerf. What excellent copy she would make. What a capital type she would be on the stage. The young lady who is forever hovering on the brink, but who is kept straight all the same. Really, he must make an exhaustive study of Adela. Poor little girl, he said softly, watching her as she tried to balance the fat Japanese divinity on his head. And so you're going to take your revenge by marrying him. Well, it's not a bad way either. Who was the fool the other night at the club who was saying that your modern woman wasn't complex at all, only hysterical? By Jove. And who's the lucky beggar? Anthony Mellingham. He wrote from Mexico. I haven't seen him, you know, for seven or eight years. He's made some money, I believe, and apparently he's got remorse. It seems curious now how I loved that man ten years ago. Then all's for the best, in the best of all possible worlds, said Vincent with his dubious smile. When are you going to see him? Tonight? Oh no, tomorrow morning. I look so worn at night, but in a cotton frock in the morning with my hair done rather neatly. That's how they like to come back and find a woman, don't they? said Adela, with a drawl that had become habitual to her. There was a world of weariness, of disillusionment in her tone. Well, he's a lucky man, repeated Gilbert, taking her dimpled hand and giving it a lengthened pressure. Don't do that. It bores me. What am I to give you for a wedding present? Another ring? Oh, anything. No, not a ring. I... I hate them. I'm never going to wear rings any more. Except the fatal one, said Vincent, retreating. By the by, he asked, exhibiting his curious smile on the first step of the staircase, turning back as he did so to take in every detail of the pretty woman he was leaving. What's he like? Fairish. Rather good-looking. Rather stupid. Oh, then it's the fellow you did in that novel you wrote. What, that idiotic thing? Oh, I don't know. I've forgotten all about it, said Adela peevishly. I only wrote the thing because I was miserable, and nobody would have bought it, and it was a one and sixpenny book printed the wrong way up. It had a success, said the dramatist, in the strictly indifferent tone of one artist to another. Have I ever had a success, said Adela wearily. Curious girl but only one of a new species, said Vincent to himself as he made his way down the Kensington Street. She's all right, I dare say, 
but she wouldn't like us to think so. She calls it dull of a woman not to have had emotional experiences, and wouldn't thank you if you altered your conversation to spare her blushes. Yet she can be very sweet, very attractive, and she is curiously feminine for a modern type. She knows enough to be always très femme when she wants to be really charming. And by Jove, she can be charming. It's extraordinary how fond one can be of her, at times and in certain moods. I wonder, he asked himself as he stopped to light a cigar, if it is possible I shall really feel it, if Adela really were to marry. Part 2 Adela Buller sat waiting for her lover. Every now and then she got up. Did you